You know, everybody looks a little thinner this morning. You do. You look a, you look a little thinner. All right, if you're new this morning, we started last week on a 21-day fast. Um, this is the cool part. You can still start. You do a 14-day fast. I'm dead serious. Um, we've had over 1,000 hits a day on the video blog. If you go on our website, this is amazing to me. Go on our website, front page, it says 21 days, and every day there's about a six, I do a 60-second video blog about um, the fast and the topic of the day, and we've averaged 1,000 a day. This is amazing to me, too. I'm out somewhere, I'm in Publix, and I'll run into somebody, and I'll say, yeah, man, I'm giving up this, I'm giving up this, and I'll get texts from you and emails from you. I don't know about you, but I kind of, I even, one of my four is caffeine. On Tuesday, I was ready for a coma. I mean, I couldn't believe the effects of, of caffeine in my life. Ran into one of our, our doctors, he's a friend of mine, on Thursday, he said, I'm doing the three B's. I said, what, what are the three B's? He said, bread, beef, and beer. I thought that was hilarious. So anyway, I don't know what you're doing. It's not about the food. It's about the prayer. The goal is to pray. And so the food is a leverage. It's something every time you get hungry, you think about this, then that's when you go and you pray. And we've had a topic every day. So how many of you have kind of enjoyed it? We've grown. You've prayed. That's the goal. The goal is not about the food. The goal is, is that we learn to pray. And so for 21 days, and so start today. If you've just come, today's your first day. You've got 14 days. Go on our website tomorrow. There's topics in the bulletin also for each day this week. And we'd love to have you join us. All right, we're going to talk about this again today. What in the world is fasting and why would you fast? Well, there are physical fasts. You can fast from food to lose weight. You can fast from food to detox, and those are all good things, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about biblical fasting. Why would anybody fast in a biblical way? That's a good question, right? Well, first of all, it's in the Bible. Um, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, when you fast, uh, he doesn't say when you fast, but he says, he says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. And so we've got this, go ahead and put that back on there, is a biblical definition of fasting. Here's what fasting is. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, you can fast to lose weight. You can fast to detox. None of those are wrong. None of those are bad. Those are all good for you. But that's not what we're doing. We're doing what's called a biblical fast. Biblical fast is fasting, is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. So why would you do this? Well, number one, besides being in the Bible, maybe you want to change. There's some change that you want in your life. You're the same place you've been for 12 years. Your marriage is the same place. Your spiritual level is the same place. Your depth of prayer, your depth of scripture, you're at the same place. So one of the reasons why you and I fast is because we want change. I think another reason to fast is we're desperate. We've actually got some issues, some problems. We have, we're in trouble. We need God's favor. And so another great reason to fast is we're desperate for God to show up in our lives. I think another reason to fast is preventative care. Now, bad things happen to good people. 
And I don't always understand why that happens, sometimes even when we're praying, and sometimes even when we're asking God. But I also believe that there's things that we can do to, like, be safe and to be secure and to help our family. So another reason to fast is also with preventative care. I, I, think, I think sometimes I just want more of God in my life. There's just a hungering for God in my life or in your life. And so we fast to get uncluttered. We unclutter our busy lives. Some of you have fasted from Facebook. I, I, I'm not on Facebook. Some of you fasted from Facebook, and you've said it's been a, the one of, some of the best seven days of your life because you've been uncluttered. Some of you have even like not done TV as much because your life gets un, uncluttered. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, I mentioned last week that we're doing a Daniel fast, and we're using the Daniel fast as an example. Uh, It's a model for us. And so here's Daniel, and Daniel's got this vision from God, and it was a vision about a war, and he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand the vision, and so for 21 days, Daniel refrains from certain foods. And the point of Daniel's fast is, Daniel's fast was to bring about the know-how to do this vision. Look at this next slide. The Daniel fast was for this reason. I've got a vision from God, but I don't know what to do. I've got a vision from God, but I don't know how to go forward. And so the Daniel fast for 21 days was to bring about the know-how to make the vision happen. In your life, God reveals something to you to start a brand new business or to go somewhere or to do something. And you're like, I don't know how, but I know God's given that. God's birthed that seed inside my heart. My heart's on fire to do something, but I'm not quite sure how. The Daniel fast was a know-how. It brought about the know-how to make the vision happen. All right, look at your bulletin. I want to fill in a bunch of things today for what fasting is again. I gave you 10 last week about biblical fasting. I'm going to give you 10 more today, and they're completely different from last week. So if you missed last week, go online, look it up, and there's 10 things from last week. But here's 10 more today. In fact, the Bible's full of this, gang. The Bible has over 17 different stories of 17 different individuals who fasted. The Bible has over seven different types of fasts. There are one-day fasts, there are three-day fasts, there are 21-day fasts, there are 40-day fasts, there are partial fasts, there are complete fasts. The Bible is complete with all kinds of examples about this. And so biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Again, don't make this about the food. You make this about the food, the food becomes the idol. It's not about the food. It's about the prayers on a regular basis. So uh, blank number one, here's fasting. Fasting prepares you for the future. This is something that God wants you to do. God wants to use you for his future. Fasting prepares you for that. Number two, fasting gives you what I call a fresh anointing. And this is an old-fashioned word. They would talk about Billy Graham years ago. Billy Graham had this anointing of God. And this anointing, it's the Holy Spirit. And fasting gives you like a fresh touch of God. 
Fasting is like a, a breath of fresh air from God. It's like God reveals a little truth. It's like a ding, 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 ding on the inside of you that you know that you know that you know that God is at work. Number three, fasting is a constant means of renewing yourself spiritually. I, I love what D.L. Moody, this old guy's been dead a couple hundred years, D.L. Moody. They said, D.L., why are you always praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he says, I leak. We all leak, don't we? We all leak. And so fasting is this way of renewing ourselves, <laughs> renewing ourselves spiritually. And then number four, fasting puts you in the mainstream. It's the mainstream of God's priorities. This is where you want to be. As a believer, you want to be in the mainstream of God's priorities. And so we talked about Daniel a little bit last week. Daniel was a partial fast. And what Daniel did is not necessarily what you need to do. It just is it's an example. It's a model. Daniel, the Daniel fast is a model for you. Now, Daniel fasted from wine he fasted from choice meats, and Daniel fasted from lotions. And I don't get the whole lotion thing. I, don't, I really don't understand that. But it, maybe they were sunburned or suntanned or whatever. But anyway, that's what Daniel fasted from. But that doesn't mean that what, what you need to fast from. We're just using the partial fast as an example. So you pick something that means something to you. What means something to you? I got a text from one of my friends last um, Sunday night, and she said, well, I've just gone through the drive-thru at Starbucks. I've just gotten my last, whatever, Frappuccino something for the next 21 days. God help us all. And, and so, so you pick, that means nothing to me. I, I don't like Frappuccino, but, but I love the venti unsweet green teas, and I drink two or three of those a day. And so again, by Tuesday, no caffeine. I'm, a, I'm in a coma. I mean, I, I am just north of depression, just, just barely, myself. So you pick something that means something to you. That's the Daniel fast. Daniel wanted the know-how to make a vision come true. All right, I want to talk about Esther for just a second as well. Here's another example. I'm going to give you another example right now of a fast. Esther was in trouble and Esther then needed favor. So there's two parts to the Esther fast. Are you in trouble this morning? And do you need favor? Well, you may be in trouble. Not everybody in the room is in trouble, but everybody in the room wants favor. We all want favor from our boss. We all want favor, you know, from our, our spouse. We all want favor from our family. We certainly all want favor with God. So, so Esther, Esther finds herself as the queen, and she's the queen in a pagan country, and she's Jewish. Now, she was raised by her cousin Mordecai, and Mordecai was this great guy, but he refused to bow down to one of the hierarchies in the, in the, in the, in the country. Well, this ticked off this other guy named Haman. And so Haman and Mordecai were arch enemies. Mordecai is Jewish. Haman is not Jewish. And so Haman convinces the king that we're going to try to wipe out all the Jewish people, of which... Esther is Jewish. Esther and Mordecai are Jewish, and they are in real, real trouble. So we join the story in Esther chapter 3, and I want us to look at a couple of these verses together. So here's Esther, and I'm going to talk about the Esther fast. I'm just giving you another example of what a fast is and what it can do for your life. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay, 
pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, Mordecai's people are the, who are they? They're the Jews. He scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. All right? So now we've got to ask for some help. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people, O king, dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom, who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's law. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. So you get the picture? Haman's out to get all the Jews. And Haman's going to do whatever he can to convince King Xerxes. And that's a cool name, isn't it? Xerxes? Say say Xerxes. Xerxes. I don't know any young man's name Xerxes, but if I had another son, that'd be a great name for, for a boy. Xerxes. To get the King Xerxes to agree to sign off on an edict that at a certain day, at a certain time, we're going to slaughter all the Jews. So now Mordecai says to Esther, Esther, you're in trouble. And I'm in trouble. And all our people are in trouble. And we need you to act. And she's going, look, I can't do this. If I go see the king without the king calling for me, unless he extends the golden scepter, I'm in trouble. And so Mordecai said, look, just because, you know, you're the queen, don't think you're exempt from this. So here's chapter 4. Chapter 4 says this. In the next verses. Chapter 4. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the provinces, the royal and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king has but one law, that they will be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. And then she says this, but 30 days have passed since I was called to the king. Now just hold on for just a second. There's two problems going on right now. She's in trouble, and she needs favor. And these are two great times in your life and in my life when we should fast. If you're not in trouble today, you're going to be in trouble sometime. I hope you're not in trouble today, but probably out of all these people coming to church this morning, there's going to be a certain percentage of people who are in trouble. But you're going to be in trouble sometime in your life. It could be health. It could be family. It could be your job. It could be your finance. Everybody finds themselves in trouble. And I don't know who of us in this room doesn't want favor and doesn't need favor. And so here we have, again, an example of a fast. And the reason to fast is do you find yourself in trouble? And do you want favor? All right, let's go on the next verse, verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house... You, will, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But, Esther, you and your father's family will perish. So here's what she does. Look at the next verse. And who knows that, that what you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. And then Esther, she sent this word to Mordecai. Go and gather together. Here's the fast. 
Here's what she does. This is not a partial fast. This is like a complete fast for three days. She doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. I don't recommend that. I don't recommend you not drinking for three days. We had Dr. Louis Avilas on stage last week talking about, you know, medically, drink lots of fluids. Dr. Louis Avilas said, look, if you're pregnant, be careful. If you're diabetic, be careful. If you have high blood pressure, be very, very careful. Remember that last week? So I don't recommend this, but here's what she did. She's in trouble. She said, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or not for three days a night or day, I and my attendants will fast for you as well. And this is what Esther does. And Esther has a complete fast for three days asking God to save them. And of course, if you read the rest of this story, it's an amazing story. Uh, God saved Esther. God saved Mordecai. And Haman got hanged on the very gallows that he was building. It's a great irony. It's a great turn of events. It's, it's a tremendous story. Go back to your bulletin. I'm going to give you some more blanks to fill in about fasting. What else is fasting? Fasting will overcome major problems. This is when you want to fast. I'm in trouble. I have problems. I need God to show up and reveal himself in a great way. Number six, fasting will break financial troubles. And I've got to be careful that I don't sound like a health and wealth gospel guy on TV because those are charlatans and we want to stay clear away from that. However, there is a spirit of poverty and there is sometimes things that just happen in people's lives that need to be broken. And fasting will break financial problems and financial troubles in your life. The Bible talks more about money than any other topic. There's 2,351 verses about money. God says more about money in the Bible than he does heaven and hell. God says more about money in the Bible than he does um, a prayer. And so this is an important topic to God. Why? So that we use our resources well to expand his kingdom. Number six, number seven, fasting will overcome addictions and demonic powers. You want these broken in your life. You want addictions and demonic powers broken. Fasting breaks those powers that are at work against your life. Let's look at the next one. Fasting will break the thoughts and feelings of heaviness. You ever just walk around with a spirit of depression? So what do we do in America? We go medicate ourselves. The first thing we do in America is when we feel a little bit depressed, we go get, get, get medication. Well, I don't know if you need to be on medication or not. I'm not a doctor. I'm not suggesting that. What I am saying is God can do that, and God does do that, and God breaks that spirit of heaviness where you then can be set free, and fasting can help set you free. Look at the next one. Fasting will give you special favor because God says, you know what? You're trying. You're working hard. You're trying to make a difference. I can see that you're spending time with me, and God just gives you more favor and more favor and more favor. And then I like this last one. Look at this last one, number 10. Fasting is a hunger strike against hell. I like that. It is. Fasting is a hunger strike against hell. When you fast, you turn back those things that have happened and worked to to fight even against you. Fasting is huge in your life. So Esther needed special favor because she was in trouble. 
I want to do one more. I want to do one more guy today. We've talked about Daniel. The Daniel fast was a vision, and it was a know-how to make the vision happen. The Esther fast, the Esther fast is about trouble and is about favor. And I want to wrap up today with one of my favorite characters in the Bible, Ezra. Now, I'm sure none of us this morning got up and just studied Ezra, and we were all excited about Ezra. But I'm going to tell you, Ezra's a cool dude. And what happens in the life of Ezra is the, the Israelites had been exiles uh, for a long, long time. And they'd all been carried off to Babylon. So imagine it about Iran, Iraq, and now they're coming back. They're coming back from Iran, Iraq area, all the way to Jerusalem. They have rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt the gates. They've rebuilt all this good stuff. All these cool things are going on. And all of a sudden, now, the king of basically Iran, Iraq, says, okay, you can now take all the treasury, all the money, all the gold, all the silver, all the goblets, all the plates, everything that 70-some years ago Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem all the way over here. Okay, guys, you get to take it back. You get to take back all the stuff we stole from you. We took all your gold, all your silver, all your goblets. We took all this cool stuff, and we took it from Jerusalem, and it's now over here in, you know, the Middle East. Now it gets to go back. And Ezra, you get to take it back, and you get to take some families back with you. Now, we're talking about billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of merchandise that's going to go back to Jerusalem, back into the temple treasury. Do you think every thief didn't know about that? Do you think every two-bit thug didn't know about that? The word on the street was, here's a caravan of these ragtag Jews going back to Jerusalem, and there's no army, and there's no seals, and there's no rangers, and there's no army. There's nobody protecting them. And so Ezra proclaims a fast. And he proclaims a fast for three different purposes, and it's a great, great story. And I want to read this story for you out of Ezra chapter whatever. Go ahead. Show me the screen. Ezra chapter 8. There, here, this is Ezra talking. There by the Avana Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I'm going to come back to verse 21. In just a minute, I'm going to have three people pray for us about verse 21 for your life. Verse 22 says this. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horses. I got billions of dollars in this caravan, but I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from our enemies on the road because we told the king that the gracious hand of our God is, is, is on everyone who looks to him but his great anger is against all who forsake him. And then verse 23 says this. So, so, we got billions of dollars. We got hundreds of miles. We got every thief out in the world knowing that we're carrying all this stuff. But we're not going to ask the king, the foreign king, for an army. We're going to fast. We're going to fast and pray and ask the gracious hand of our God to be upon us. So we fasted. We petitioned. We petitioned our God, and, and what does it say? He answered our prayers. I love that. He answered our prayers. I, there's something about fasting that removes the clutter from your, from your life 
And there's something about fasting that kind of dials you in a little quicker, a little deeper, and it says to God, this means something to you. You've given up your sweets, or you've given up your bread, or you've given up your beef, or you've given up your beer, or you've given up your frappuccino, or you've given up. It's not about the food. But God says, you know what? Because you have honored me, you've humbled yourself, you want me to do something in your life, I'm going to rush into your presence. And so we fasted, we petitioned, and, we, and he answered our prayer. And I go back to verse 21. I want you to see verse 21. Because verse 21 again says, by this canal we proclaim a fast so we might humble ourselves before our God. And there, there's number one, we're going to ask him for a safe journey. Number two, we're going to pray for our kids. And number three, we're going to pray for our, profession, our possessions. So I want to break this down real quickly. Here's number one. The number one part is I fast to seek of God the right way for me. Now, I just want to talk about this for a second. Because in 2014, how's 2014 going to be different than 2013? You see, 2013, you kept doing the same things and you kept getting the same results. But I fast to seek of God the right way for me. So in 2014, let's have some breakthroughs. And for some of you in this room, there needs to be some breakthroughs. And there needs to be some really tough, you've got some tough decisions to make. Because you've been doing things the same way and you're at the same place. And at the end of 2014, you're going to be in the exact same position. So are there some tough career decisions that you need to make? in 2014? Are there some difficult school decisions? I'm going to have to study or I'm going to have to get out. Are there some tough work decisions? I'm going to have to work. Are there some tough relationship decisions? I need to get married. I need to get out of this relationship. What are the tough decisions that you need to make I need to fast in 2014. I need to stop these unhealthy addictions. All week long, all week long, day one, we prayed for discernment. We've prayed for direction. We've prayed for breaking addictions this week. We've prayed for intercessory prayers this morning. How do we become intercessors and pray for one another? We've prayed for God's favor all week long. I fast to seek of God the right way. What's the right way? I've been doing it my way. What's the right way? What's your way in my life? He's going to reveal this to you. You humble yourselves and you seek him, and he's going to open those windows and open those doors and show you and I the right way. There's a lot of ways to do life, but he's going to show you the right way to do this. Number two, this is cool. Number two, I I fast, we fast for our kids and for our future generations. Well, maybe you're a grandparent this morning, and you, you, don't, you don't have any great-grandkids yet, but you're fasting because of your great-grandkids. Or, or maybe you're, you're dating somebody, and you're not even married yet, but you want to think about your future. You want to think about your kids. Or, or you want to think about your nieces and, and your nephews. We, we fast for our future generations, for our future generations to know God, for our future generations, for our kids to be in love with Jesus Christ. We fast for our future generations that they will have a solid foundation. What's more important than your kids being kingdom impactors 
Is school more important? Are degrees more important? Are a great job more important? There is nothing more important than your kids and my kids and your grandkids and my future grandkids. My kids aren't even dating anybody, so I'm praying for this too. But, but for, your, for you to see that this is about your kids and my kids impacting the kingdom of God. Nothing is more important than our children and our future generations impacting the kingdom of God. Number three, he prays for finances. I, a lot of churches like skip away from this and run away from this. And you've already heard me say, Jesus and the Bible talk more about money than any other topic. I want you to do well. I want your business, your success, your vocation. You need to do well. And so here he is, he's praying for their finances because this impacts the kingdom. With, the, with kingdom resources, Griffin's up here a while ago. I didn't know what Griffin was going to say. Griffin's up here a while ago thanking you for giving all these different monies so that the youth ministry with, with middle schoolers and high schoolers can grow bigger and bigger and better and better and better. And so here he is. He's praying then for resources. And so I've asked my, my three friends to come out. These are three of our staff members. They're going to come out right now and pray over all three of these topics. I think Tom's going to start with uh, fasting to, uh, to seek the right way of God for me. And then we've got Joy um, Weaver and we've got uh, uh, Stephen as well. So would you guys come and, and pray for Would you welcome these three colleagues? These are three staff members of Harborside. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you right now in these moments, trusting in you. Lord, you created us. You know what's best for us. You care more about the direction of our life than we ever could. And it's all based out of your love. So God, we ask and we seek, Lord, your will for our life, your guidance, whether in our marriages, whether in our jobs, our relationships. Lord, we give it all to you. May you guide us. May you direct us. May it be your lordship that rules over our lives. We seek this now in your name. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift to children and the joy they bring to our lives. I also thank you for the wonderful opportunity that you have given us as parents, grandparents, coaches, teachers, and volunteers to be Christian leaders for them. And I ask you to protect our children, both physically and spiritually, to bless them with um, your favor and to hide your words in their heart, Lord. And Lord, as this world continues to change and grow more complicated, um, please guide each generation to be your faithful servants, to lead each generation that follows into a growing, healthy relationship with you. God, we're just so thankful for all the awesome things that you have done in this year that just passed, knowing that you have provided for our finances and our resources. But most importantly, God, that we know that you are Jehovah Jireh, which means you provide for our needs even now, today, this week, and as this year continues, that no matter what comes, we can count that you will fill our cup to where it overflows so we can give to others. But God, even greater that you leave us leaking enough to where we know that we always need you and that you will continue to provide for every need that we have, that we can count on you and trust that you are the great, caring God that loves his children. And Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.